Welcome to the Jerry Gherkin Show, where we get our kicks out of watching people succeed. I'm your host, Jerry Gherkin, and that time is now. Today, my guest is Jesse Cole of the Savannah Bananas. He and his wife, uh, Emily, co-own the Savannah Bananas. Uh, Jesse's an author, uh, father of one, is that correct? Yes. Yes. All right. Cool, cool. And uh, is uh, an inspiration to a lot of people, and we talk about getting our kicks out of watching people succeed. And uh, this is definitely a success story, uh, what, what Jesse has done. So welcome to the show. Now, fired up to be with you, Jerry. It's been a while, but man, I, I'll tell you, you made a great first impression on me, the energy that when I first met. So I'm pumped to, that you're doing a show and we're rocking and rolling together. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here and you, you carved out some of your time. I know that you're a busy guy and you got a lot of things going on, but uh, um, let me ask you this, just to start off with, let, Let's talk about your journey. I know that you've been, you played baseball for a lot of years uh, growing up and then you actually uh, played in, in college and then um, I guess uh, a blessing in disguise happened. Just tell us a little bit about that. I just a kid from a small town in Massachusetts, uh, you know, had a dream of playing professional baseball. Was fortunate to have some really cool opportunities as a young kid. I was bat boy for the Red Sox for a game when I was five years old. I got to pitch at Fenway later when I was older and that was my dream and my father even bought a baseball facility so I could actually play year-round in Massachusetts in the cold weather and that dream looked like it was a possible reality when I got a full scholarship to play baseball uh, down south and started getting letters from teams and Christmas letters from teams and uh, I was like this could happen and then I tore my shoulder uh, every part of my shoulder was torn and yeah it was the best thing that ever happened to me and uh, you know it's crazy when you get some adversity and challenges in your life um, if you change if you look at it as what is that opportunity and have optimism towards it it changes because I said all right I'm not gonna play baseball anymore but what can I do where can I make a bigger impact and fortunately I found it was from the front office and not necessarily being a baseball guy, but creating an entertainment circus uh, for thousands. And now millions have come to our ballparks, which has been pretty exciting. Yeah, so uh, when you when you guys uh, took over the Savannah Bananas, they were a, a different name and an old stadium. And uh, you guys looked at that as an opportunity to uh, kind of change things around and, and do business differently. And I know that that's your mantra. Uh, and then when you wrote, you wrote the book, Find Your Yellow Tux, tell us about that and what motivated you to write that book. <laughs> well, I've been on a long journey. You know, I took over a first team when I was 23 years old and they were only $268 in the bank account, 200 fans coming to the games and the team was failing. No one wanted to come to the games. And we learned that we can no longer be a baseball team. We had to be about entertainment and create a circus and create fun. And yes, Jerry, as you know, we did a lot of things that didn't work out that well. Flatulence, fun night, salute to underwear nights, grandma beauty pageants. We tried it all, um, but fans started talking and we created attention. And uh, when we went to Savannah, yeah, professional baseball played in that ballpark for 90 years. And we're not professional baseball. We're one of the lowest levels of low. We're just college summer baseball. Um, but major league or professional baseball failed in Savannah. I mean, and this is a stadium that had Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron and, uh, you know, uh, Jackie Robinson and Mickey Mantle. They all played at the stadium. So much history, but no one was coming to the games because they were just focusing on being the same old sport, the same old baseball without much excitement. And so we came in all excited to take on the world, myself, my wife, our 24-year-old president and three 22-year-olds. And uh, we got there and the former team had cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines, took everything out of the ballpark. And uh, we started using our cell phones, calling everyone in the town and no one wanted to hear from us. We were just a lower level baseball team. And so we sold two tickets in our first three months and it got so bad that in January of 2016, we got a phone call that we overdrafted our account and we were completely out of money. 
And you mentioned my wife in the intro. Uh, I'm so blessed to have her by my side because she turned to me and said, let's sell our house. So we sold our house in 2016, emptied out our savings account. We're sleeping on an airbed. And we realized that we had to do something dramatically different. We couldn't be like your everyday baseball team. And we had to create attention. And so we named the team after a fruit, became the Savannah Bananas, came up with a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. Uh, that are all in their 70s and dance to Justin Timberlake every game. Uh, we named our mascot Split. We came up with a male cheerleading team called the Mananas that are now the dad bod cheerleading squad. We started having our players go in music videos like Can't Stop the Peeling. Um, we started just doing everything that was bizarre, wild, and crazy, and people started paying attention. And most importantly, we went all in on the fans' first experience and literally map out what is that perfect experience at a baseball game. And I'll tell you, it's not like most people think it is. It's not just sitting at a baseball game. You have to make it fun. You have to eliminate the friction points. And every day, we've been working to continuously get better at eliminate those friction points. And lo and behold, from those two tickets, now every single game sold out. We have wait lists for tickets in the thousands. And now we have thousands signed up to uh, watch Bananas 24-7 our bananas insider which obviously we had to pivot during covid and try to get creative and that's what we're doing what about uh your your book find find your yellow tux so what what's uh what's something that you want uh maybe one or two things that you you hope that people take away from the book or maybe it's a life-changing book for some people I've been fortunate. The response has been tremendous. I wrote that over three years ago. And uh, basically, I just, I believe everybody has a story worth sharing. And sometimes we're too afraid to share it. And find your yellow tux. The principle, the concept is, um, it's everyone has something that also makes them stand out. It's the one thing that they can be the best at, one thing that they're a little bit different at, that they can amplify. And I think so many people are, are so set on fitting in, but we're all born to stand out. And for me, yes, my yellow tux is a symbol, but it's also uh, the real life. I own seven yellow tuxedos. I proposed to my wife in a yellow tuxedo in front of a sold out crowd. Thank goodness she said yes, and we're still married. Um, I wear it all the time. It's my uniform. When I put this on, it's showtime. Everybody has something, yet we're so focused often on just being like everyone else. I've realized when we were like everyone else, when we were marketing like everyone else, or we're just trying to fit in, we had results like everyone else. In fact, much worse. So uh, the book talks about find your yellow tux, yellow tux, your life, your business, and your legacy. And I asked that question at the end, how do you want to be remembered? And even four years ago, three years ago, when I wrote the book, I answered that question and said, you know, if you were to write a eulogy, what would it say? And how would you reverse engineer your life? My biggest fear in life is settling. It's regrets. So every day I want to be doing things, trying new things, experimenting, doing things that scare me a little bit. And that's what's made life exciting and made us be able to achieve things we never thought of possible. Have you always had such a high level, level of energy? <laughs> I've learned that energy is contagious, but here's what I've learned, Jerry, on that. Um, yes, as a kid, I had energy. I, you know, I was an only child. Uh, my parents got divorced. Um, my father, I was just constantly set on trying to make him proud. And I would do anything to kind of do get attention from him and make him proud. And because he always recognized me when I get good grades or hit home runs or did anything on the baseball field. So I was always trying to stand out. But what I realized is that the people that have energy, the people that have passion, those are the people I want to be around. And I realized I might as well be that person as well. And every door that I go through is a trigger to me. And it says, bring the energy, bring the fun. Because every door I go through, I'm coming into a new room in front of new people. And when they first see that, see me, what are they seeing? What's that impression? Sometimes it's a lot of energy. Sometimes it's maybe too much for others. But I think that's so important by how you interact with people. And my mindset is I want to be the best part of someone's day and bring them energy and light them up. And the way I'm able to do that is I do things that give me energy. 
it so, sounds so simple, but two years ago, I wrote down my energy list. And I started realizing we all been there. At the end of the day, some days we're just exhausted, we're tired, you know, we're worn out. And for us that have kids, you know, families, we have to be our best when we get home for our kids. And yet most times we're worn out. We've been fighting fires all day and we're like, all right, here we go. Here's round two. Let's build up the energy. And I realized that's not fair for my son. That's not fair for my wife. I need to look and do an audit of my schedule, of my life. What am I doing that's taking away energy? And what am I doing that's giving energy? And I found some really good similarities. And for me, it was in three buckets. When I'm creating, when I'm sharing, and when I'm growing. If I'm doing any of those three, I have energy. What does that mean uh, as far as creating? I'm writing. I'm uh, producing new videos. I'm doing things with our team to create things that are exciting. Sharing. I'm sharing our story. I'm on stage. I'm on a podcast with you. I'm talking to our team about what we're doing and growing. I'm reading, listening to podcasts, anything where I'm learning. If I do those three things throughout the most of my day, I come home fired up more energy than I've ever been. And I'm the, I can be the best for my wife, my son, and everyone I interact with. So I challenge everyone, write down your energy list, not just what you like doing and what you don't like doing, what gives you energy? Because that's how you can be the best for everyone. Advice, man, that, that, that's, if, if we ended the podcast right now, that'd be a huge takeaway for a lot of people, including me. That's because I, I, I do think about that sometimes, you know, I come home and I'm <clears throat> long day, so had a lot of no's, <laughs> you know, get, get the snot beat out of you by customers and you deal with putting out fires and then you come home and it's like your sanctuary and you want to just like but then like you said it's not fair to my wife who's been at home all day it's not fair to my our dogs because our kids are grown and gone so we don't have any kids in the house anymore but uh, one thing that I heard a long time ago was uh, if you were sitting at home and it was 10 o'clock at night and you were getting ready for bed and the and the doorbell rang and it was a, a friend a college buddy of yours that you haven't seen in 10 years what kind of energy level would you have they're there at your house if, but to tap into that energy with somebody that you interact with on a regular basis is, is, is challenging. So I, I, I really appreciate those three buckets. Well, thanks, Jerry. I mean, the reality is every day someone has their first interaction with you. Every day someone has their first interaction with your business, your brand, whoever it is. What do you want that interaction to look like? We're often so focused on the things that we have to do and that we don't pay attention to that first touch point that we have with someone. And for me, it's like, I got to show up. You know, show up. If, I mean, everyone says showing up's half the battle. How do you show up every day? You know, if you just ask that question, and it's tough, it's challenging. There's, I like my commute every day because I get to refocus on how I'm going to show up for the day. And I think when you do that, it's amazing um, how people respond to you and how they match your energy. When I come in ready to high five everyone, again, before COVID, uh, they're showing up with energy as well because they're like, he's bringing it. I'm going to lift everyone up. And great leaders lift others up. That's what they're constantly focused on. That's what I try to do as well. It's great. So, hey, when you get uh, like emails and communications or um, Twitters or, or from from your fans, what what are some of the things that stand out that, that the feedback that you get? Oh, geez. Well, you know, we we always say we try to reverse engineer everything, and our you know we're trying to change the game, change the industry and that we're in, and through a fans first experience, change the way people experience baseball, the way we they watch it, the way they interact with it, everything. And our big, you know, mindset is uh, we want to be the most fun people ever had at a baseball game, like a circus in a baseball game broke out. That's why we have the break dancing first base coach, the pep band, the banana nan as all the characters to make it fun. But uh, we get lots of reviews, lots of emails, and a lot of people say, uh, you know, I've heard is the most fun I've ever had at a baseball game. And we didn't even play. It was a rainout. 
So that, that I honestly appreciate that. I'm like, we didn't throw a pitch, but we had, obviously we were doing bananas in the pants promotions. We were doing eating contests. We were doing nonstop fun. But um, I'll tell you a quick thing that really stood out. Uh, two seasons ago after our last game, uh, a gentleman mustache comes up to me right after the last game and uh, gives me this big hug. And just to let you know, at the end of every game, our entire team, our players, our staff are thanking our fans. We have a free s'mores station. We have a pep band. We really take care of that last impression. So getting hugs is not uncommon. Um, so I got but this. It was this big hug, and he didn't let go. And this was a strong, tough man with a mustache, and I was a little thrown off. And I go, thank you. And I go, what was that for? He goes, no, thank you. He goes, you have no idea how much your games mean to me. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, uh, my mother and I, hadn't talked for years, but she came to the first game this season, watched the players dance, watched the break dancing first base coach, watched the banana baby and had the time of her life. Now my mother and I sit together at every single game. Your games help bring the relationship back for my mother and I. Thank you. And it's those moments, those little stories that we share with our team always that we're not just playing a baseball game. We're creating moments and bringing people together um, for things that matter. And so nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. And that's our role as a company. And that's what I try to do at our ballpark. And when people say things like that, it means more than you know. Oh, absolutely. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing. Um, your game, your baseball games are, are intentional. I mean, you're, you, you're very intentional at what you do, so even to the point where your, your games are scripted, correct? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think intentionality is, intentionality is huge. Yeah, clarity, intentionality is everything. If you ask any company, any person, you go, what do they stand for? What is their mission? Can everyone else state it? We're very simple. The name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. Every decision we make is it Fans First. Our core beliefs are the Fans First way, which goes through it. We say Fans First over and over again. It makes our decisions very easy. Um, but uh, re uh, reframe the question again. What was the question you asked just about intentionality and how you script your games. Oh, script the games. Yes, yes. So, yeah, you got me so focused on fans first. You got me throwing off there, Jay. I like it. So, yes, we talk fans first so much, sometimes we even forget what the question is. But in regards to script, um, yes, every game is scripted, not the outcome. We're lucky we've won more games than any other team. That's not scripted. But we have um, full scripts of every single promotion, every single stage at our ballpark, um, what we're doing on how we make people feel. So to give you an example, most ballparks, they say, all right, you put on the show or just put on a baseball game on the field. We have four stages. The field is one stage. Our grandstand and our entire seating bowl is stage two. Our concourse is stage three. Our plaza and parking lot in front of the stadium is stage four. And even this year when we have screens and we're going to do tailgate parties, that will be stage five. We have scripts for every single stage and every single performer, from our professional wrestler that we hired this year to actually be in the coach, to our professional high-fiver, to our pep band, to our professional sign spinner, who will actually give signs this year as he's spinning signs, like the people that do the tax returns. Um, we have script for every one of them and for every stage, because we believe in fans first, entertain always, we need to be entertaining nonstop. Baseball is too long, too slow, too boring for too many people. It needs to be entertaining nonstop and that's, we don't ever want to feel like we dropped the ball there. So yes, I think even in whether you're selling cars, whether you're an accountant, you should have scripts on what are you doing to entertain people. And entertain isn't just put on a circus. It's pay attention to people. It's show that you care. It's be there for them. It's be a host. And so, yeah, it should be scripted a little bit. Not necessarily what you say, but how you want to make them feel. There's a difference there. There's what, that's why we have our players deliver roses to little girls 
in the middle of the game. That's why we do a salute the troops military read where our players go through the crowd and give, you know, military caps to the people that have served our country. It's why our entire stadium dances during certain points. We're taking a roller coaster of emotions to make them feel like they were a part of something. In your business or whatever business it is, what are you doing to make sure your customers, your fans go through that same experience? Cool. Gotcha. Um, so what would you give as far as like advice to, let's say, uh, somebody that's just starting out in um, business and uh, maybe maybe some guidance and direction, maybe a couple bullet points that, I mean, obviously you want to um, create raving fans uh, in, in your business so that people will always come back to you because that's, uh, that's how you make them feel. Um, it's not what you say, how you make them feel. But uh, what, you know, different platforms that are, there's so many platforms out there and I think you can um, get, be a jack of all trades and a master of none, but like you have your Twitter, you have your Instagram, you have Facebook, you have LinkedIn. I mean, speak a little bit about how you can maybe grow your business through those platforms and, and what some advice you'd give somebody. I know that's a lot, but. No, I'll start with this. Just start. Just start. And what I mean by that is, you know, I always say stop standing still, start standing out. But the reality is you just need to start, start testing, start experimenting, play the long game, understand that we need to take small bets. We need to take experiments before we realize what actually works. Biggest example, you know, I have 15 years in this industry. Um, and I just started obviously three years ago doing a lot more public speaking with the book and everything. I wrote 159 blogs before I posted my first one. I was too scared. I was too afraid to share my own voice. I believe we need more people sharing their voice. We have more experience now, more knowledge than ever before, yet people are often too afraid to share. And I'm not just talking about share the things they're upset about. I mean, share positivity, share lessons, share things that they've learned. And so three years ago, I just started posting, posting those blogs. I started sharing every day on LinkedIn and never selling, Nobody wakes up and wants to be sold. No one wakes up and wants to be advertised to. No one wakes up and wants to be marketed to. But everyone wants to be served. And so if you have an opportunity to serve, you're a young person out there and you start learning, start learning, start asking questions, start trying things, and then start sharing what you learn. Put it out however you want. And when no one listens, keep going. Keep going. The reality is no one listened at first. I've had tons of posts. There were no comments, no likes. Most people give up. The average podcast stops at seven seven, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so for me, I'm not focused so much on uh, the, you know, the clear goal and clear destination. I'm looking at everything as a journey. It's a journey to learn, a journey to be better, a journey to make a better impact. And when you look at it like that, nothing will hold you back because you're not worried about what people think. You're just worried about the impact you're trying to make. And so for me, that's, that, that's been what's worked out well. And we do thousands of experiment, experiments with our team. I do thousand experiments with just my own personal stuff. And a lot don't work, but I don't even think about what failed. I think about what's next. And uh, Jerry, I'm not a baseball guy, as you can tell, yellow tuxedo. I played baseball, but I'm more of a circus guy. That's a showman that likes to put on a show. Um, but I do know some baseball statistics. And I know that the major league player who has the most hits, more hits, than any other player in the history of the game also had 2,000 more at-bats than anyone else that ever played the game. You need to keep coming up to bat. You need to keep trying to get hits. If you strike out, you got to keep going. Reggie Jackson has the most strikeouts ever in Major League history. 
but he's known as a Hall of Famer in Mr. October who hit three home runs to lead the Yankees to a World Series. We remember the hits, we don't remember the fails. So keep trying, keep coming to bat. And that's my mentality. And I hope anybody young would have that same mindset. Yeah, just like uh, Wayne Gretzky was quoted one time, he said, I miss every shot that I don't take. There you go. There you go. And it's so obvious, but it's so hard because it's scary because we're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid, we worry too much. But when, as someone who's failed, quote unquote, so many times, when you put out thousands of things, it doesn't matter. What's your next at bat? So I think just get used to putting things out there, shipping, sharing, and going through what you're doing and putting it out for the world. And then you'll keep moving fast and you won't be worried about what people think anymore. So if you look behind me over here on this shoulder, do you see what's up on my wall? Can you read that? Yeah. Do it scared. That's kind of uh, timely. And I didn't even plan to have that position that way, but it's right there. <laughs> Love it. so that's good. Uh, Love what's, it. what's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, ask you some of the questions that you ask on some of your podcasts just to kind of flip the switch a little bit on you uh what's the best advice uh, like what's the best advice you ever received it's not advice it's it's watching and i think you can learn more by watching what people do than necessarily what they say and my advice would be for my father who gave me tons of advice as a kid you know swing hard in case you hit it jesse all the all these little cliches playing baseball but my dad battled two forms of cancer about five years ago. And um, I was down here with the baseball team. He was up in Massachusetts. And I called my dad every day. And he was in the hospital. It was, it was bad. And every day I asked, Dad, how you doing? He said, Jesse, I'm great. I'm great. And every day. And I kept calling him every day. And he'd say, he's great. And he said, just going to be a tough winter, but summer's coming. Summer's coming. And finally, one day I called him uh, later on while I was going through the chemo. And, and he said, Dad, how you doing? He goes, I'm good, Jess. I'm good. And I talked to my stepmother afterwards and she said, uh, Jesse, it was, uh, I couldn't imagine a worse day for him. The chemo just wiped him out. I've never seen anything like it. And he still said he was good. A month later, he found out that he was in complete remission. The cancer was gone. And uh, the doctors said he was the most positive, optimistic patient they've ever served. They've never had anyone like that. And my dad now, 71 years old, is the happiest guy I've ever been around, I ever talked to. And that advice of realizing that, hey, big things aren't that scary if you keep a positive mindset and every day you stay positive and you keep looking toward the future. Summer's coming. And especially a poignant now as we're all worried about what's going on with the virus, the economy. Summer's coming. There's good things ahead. And how you approach it is how you will defend against it. And my dad's positivity uh, and seeing that firsthand uh, will always be the best advice and mindset I take with me every day. That's awesome. So speaking of summer coming, July 1, you guys are going to be rolling? <laughs> we found a way, my friend. We found a way. I think every team and, and almost every league in the country shut down, but that's not how we do things. Uh, you know, it's easy to shut down. It's easy to throw in the towel. But as I told our, t our team, we don't do the easy things. We do the hard things, and that's why we succeed. And so to find a way to have everybody tested and go through all the rituals and sanitation uh, was very hard but our fans deserve it. And every decision we make is at fans first. So we're going to find a way July one, it'll be a smaller capacity, but we're going to put on a show. And for everyone that can't come the 50,000 people we had to turn away that already bought tickets, which was tough. Uh, we now developed a bananas 24 seven streaming with drone videos and uh, mics on players and fans getting to decide what's going to happen in the game. It's wild. And uh, it's going to be a really fun summer, especially for people that get to see it and people that get to see it online. Yeah, that'll be super exciting. I'm like, 
can only imagine how crazy it's going to be. <laughs> um, so how can people, we're going to wrap up here, how, how can people reach you? you. Uh, it's Yellow Tux. Just you search Yellow Tux, you'll find me. I, that's what uh, I, I think he said, if uh, Seth Godin, if you search Seth, you'll find him. You search Yellow Tux, I'm easy to find. And Savannah Bananas, we're easy to find. All right. Hey, man, I really appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the time. Let's thank Jesse Cole for being on the show today. And uh, next week, we're going to have an up-and-coming music musical artist, Barefoot Modern out of North Carolina. And we'll see them on the show next week. And remember... Yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Have a great week.